Welcome back to Knob Medieval History. There is the belief by many that cooks of all classes used excessive amounts of spices to cover the taint of rotting meat. This is a common misconception which has been put forward by the average person based on what they learned in school and even some scholars. In addition to hearing this from various individuals and reading the myth in many books and learning this in my own elementary and high schools, I have even heard this from a trained chef. He argued vehemently that he learned this fact in culinary school and refused to listen to any rebuttals. Before addressing this misconception, I would like to see if we can even determine where it began. The easy option would be to blame the Victorians. They tend to be guilty of many of the misconceptions we have of the Middle Ages. However, we can lay the blame somewhere else. It is not known who first posited the theory that spices were used to cover rotten meat. One suggestion was a book by the biochemist Sir Jack Cecil Drummond, The Englishman's Food, A History of Five Centuries of English Diet, which was published in 1939. Drummond wrote, The popularity of strong seasoning for meat was undoubtedly due to the frequency with which it was necessary to mask taint. As evidence, Drummond referred to a 16th century book by Hugh Platt, The Jewel House of Art and Nature. The original text reads, if it be much tainted, cut away all the flesh that is green, and cut out all the bones, and bury it in a thin old coarse cloth a yard deep in the ground for twelve or twenty hours' space, and it will be sweet enough to be eaten. While many reading today would interpret the word green as the color, this was not always the case. In medieval and Renaissance English, grain could also mean underdeveloped, much like we call someone new in a job today green. It could very well be... Platt was explaining one should remove any meat which was still good from an older cut and preserve it for later. Nowhere in his book does he state one should cover the meat with heavy spices. There is also the question, there is also the question of the audience of the cookbooks which remain today. The average peasant could not read, and while the artisans could, books were tedious to produce and very costly. It is highly unlikely the cookbooks were aimed at those less than noble status. They were intended for wealthier individuals who also had easy access to meat and could afford the high cost of spices. With easy access to meat, both domesticated and hunted game, the nobles did not need to worry about their meat going rotten before they could eat it. Instead, they generally ate their meat fresh. This negates the need for spices based on the old argument. What about the cost of spices? Let us suppose for a moment the peasants were using them to cover tainted meat. After all, they may have bought their meat at the market, and who knows how long it was sitting out in a non-temperature-controlled area. Shall I then go into a lengthy discussion about the spice trade? Just like today, most spices do not come from Europe. There are herbs in abundance, certainly. Those are available all throughout the world. The spices we associate with medieval and modern cooking, instead, are from limited regions of the world, nowhere near Europe. Cinnamon, cloves, ginger, pepper, and saffron were just a few of the popular spices medieval cookbooks called for. I challenge listeners to find these spices grown in abundance, not a few lone plants in someone's greenhouse, even today in Europe. In the grocery store, saffron is still extremely expensive compared to buying it in bulk in the Middle East. Cinnamon and pepper come from South Asian countries such as India and Myanmar. Ginger originates from East Asia, and cloves were even further afield in the Maluku Islands near Indonesia. Saffron was probably the closest, coming from North Africa and possibly even Greece. Discounting the high cost of transport, 
These spices went through the Italian middlemen who pretty much had a stranglehold on trade into the rest of Europe. Standard economical markup raised the costs higher. These were often locked away in wealthy households. Your average peasant certainly could not afford these spices. Thus, they were not wasting them on rotten meat. The last reason why this is an illogical assumption? Think about it. Even today, with reliable refrigeration and other storage methods, meat can still go bad. According to the World Health Organization, approximately 5,000 people in Europe die yearly due to food poisoning. This is with modern medicine able to treat and cure many ailments. If people were regularly eating spoiled food in the Middle Ages, the death rate would have been far higher and people would have noticed eating tainted meat was deadly. While some may call these times the Dark Ages, these people were not idiots. They already warned against many other poisons. Then why did the recipes call for so many spices on the food? First, they are delicious. Try food native to the regions where these spices grow. South Asian, North African, Southeast Asian recipes tend to be very fragrant and full of flavors. They certainly do not skimp on the spices. Traditional European food, not haute cuisine, tends to use more herbs and can often be seen more as hearty farmer food. While these spices are a normal part of our diets today, in the Middle Ages, they would have brought new and exotic flavor to local food. Like most food of the Middle Ages, different spices were endowed with properties of how they balanced the body and the humors. Most of the spices, according to Platina's cookbook on right pleasure and good health, were of a warm and dry nature and helped the stomach and liver. While many of these have since been dispelled to the medieval mind, this was science and should be taken literally. They were also the Lamborghinis of the Middle Ages. More ostentatious individuals really loved to flaunt their wealth. By serving meals for guests, nobles and wealthier merchants could display their financial status. This would be especially useful when trying to arrange an advantageous marriage or broker a business deal. An excellent book to read, just for an overview, is Spice, The History of Temptation by Jack Turner. While only a chapter covers the Middle Ages, much of the history of spices and their trade is applicable to this time period. A few of the images included are fanciful depictions of how spice grew and was gathered. These are medieval illuminations and actually depict what some people thought. The political and religious ramifications of dealing with the Muslim world through their part of the spice trade is also discussed. In the Middle Ages, a plethora of new recipes were created to further exploit the flavors of the mass quantity of spices entering the Central European market. All of this is covered in the book and expanded on. I would highly recommend checking this out. We hope you have enjoyed this episode and will join us again next week. You can find out a little bit about our historical group at our Facebook page. Just search for Noble Order of the Blue Button. We are the only group with this name. We are a group of friends and family who are passionate about history and enjoy sharing both knowledge and comedy. As mentioned at the beginning of this podcast, we also make comedy clips set in the Middle Ages. These can be found on YouTube. Again, search for Noble Order of the Blue Button. And if you prefer, you are welcome to email us at nobleorderoftheblubutton at gmail.com. No spaces, no dots, no underscores. And share any suggestions for topics you would like to hear covered. Thank you very much for listening.